Okay, did you just have your breakfast? Yeah, do Oh, okay, that's nice. Do you usually have it this late? Yeah, yeah, I usually have it because I wake up late as well. I wake up like 8, 8.30, 8.15. Oh, okay, I thought you were yeah. a morning person. Yeah, no, um, I think because I feel like I'm later now. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay, let's go. Out there all day. Okay. Hi, this is Jesse. Hi, this is Helen. And we're Asian Bitches Down Under. Hey guys, how's it going? <sighs> Hello to everyone. It's at end of the week again. So you're he- he- hearing our voices. <laughs> They're stuttering again. Yeah. I can't. Um, it, it's, it's r- tumbling, isn't it? Week after week. It's rolling mm. by. 2023 is. We're almost, you know, in the middle of March now. March. Yeah, yeah. Time just flies. Yeah, should we start with uh, your uh, experience of going to a concert last week? It's, it's almost a concert so, weekend last last week. Yeah, There's yeah, it was last Sunday. Jay Chun, yeah, Jay Chun, Harry Styles, yeah, um, and okay. Backstreet Boys. Obviously, the best out of all of them. <laughs> uh, it was wild. I've never yeah. been to the Kudos Arena in Oh, haven't you? Okay, never uh-huh. been to a big stadium. I like. I don't go and see live music. Live music is not my thing. Yeah, it was never just, your thing. Like even when you were younger, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, nah, but I don't. Like, I don't like crowded places. I don't like anything loud. Mm. I don't like. I don't like being. I don't really feel safe everyone. or comfortable mm. with yeah. a bunch of people. I, I I like small private spaces where I feel enclosed, and um, and kind of safe. I feel most comfortable in enclosed areas, mm-hmm. and um, so the so live music is like everything i don't like you know mm. big spaces um loud music or just loud sounds uh, i'm just a very like audio sensory very very sensitive audio sensory mm. person uh, so the mm. only kind of live music i love is like jazz in a like like very small bar in like a hole in the wall in the city kind of thing i love those mm. kind of situations but so but anyway because this is the backstreet boys which is basically <laughs> you know what it, it it is the soundtrack to our childhood. It is uh, it is the it is. it is the jewel of everything that I cherish. You know, um, I I had to see them. So anyway, it actually was a I bought three tickets, and it was a um, gift for my brother who got married four years ago. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Yeah, there was supposed five to years ago. Was it five? No, no four, I think four years ago. Yeah. yeah, just before pandemic. Yeah, yeah and so the concert um, was supposed, to, was be supposed to be in. Three years, three years yeah. ago. <laughs> so they were supposed to come in 2020, but because of the pandemic um, and subsequent lockdowns, it got cancelled year after year. Finally, it's happened. Finally, they, they have come. Um, it's 2023. It's March. Um, and they were great. It was – I, I um, lost my voice screaming. Oh, nice. Um, so you was, enjoyed it. That's good. Yeah, yeah, it was great um, because I love the band and mm-hmm. I just had – I could forget about everyone else, even though the whole stadium, they were like, I don't even know the numbers, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000. I think it's about 20,000, yeah. It's just, it was incredible. Yeah. There were a lot mm-hmm. of people in that stadium. Um, but, yeah, my, my relationship to music and live music is very, it's just, it's it's not, like, I feel like, um, I feel like when I think about live music, I always think about Gia Tolentino's uh, sort of, uh, take in, in her essay Ecstasy, where she talks about how much she loves being in uh, a big crowd, listening mm-hmm. to music, because mm-hmm. for her it's like a religious experience, mm-hmm. and like she feels connected to everyone. And 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 I have to say, I certainly felt that on on that mm-hmm. night when we were singing, you know, those classics, um, you know, the shape of my heart, um, uh, I want it that way, um, just oh, just the best songs to be written ever. Yeah, it's very um, religious. Do you think about it that everyone can spontaneously sing the, words. Sing yeah. the lyrics? Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, it really is. Beautiful. Almost thirty years ago, or twenty-five years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah twenty-five, thirty years ago. Um, but like, um, but I, I, I didn't like, I didn't have any kind of conversion in the sense that I didn't mm. suddenly become someone who enjoyed being around other strangers in wild spaces. Like, I'm not. I'm just not. And that's why I've never been to a um, music festival as well. I used to like envy those people who 
can go to music festivals like you know big day out i remember all the cool kids at my high school they were the kids that bought They'll tickets to the big day the, out yeah, that yeah. was like the cool thing to do you know those yeah. triple j listeners uh those kids with badges <laughs> on their listen. backpacks their billable backpacks yeah. and like and they <laughs> read like <laughs> because it was cool those kids yeah um and they're all white of course mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and uh but yeah i i'm now in my mid-30s and i've never attended a music festival because i just i like number one often they involve camping i'd rather i'd rather like eat, you, eat dog you, shit give me dog shit instead of camping <laughs> i hate camping so much it is like ugh, camp especially ca camping people don't get me started <laughs> It's one of your pet people. Pain. Oh my god, salt of the earth people who are like Tim Winton readers and just like I'm so I can rust it out. You know, I love being in nature. I'm a bluntstone wearing cool hipster from the inner west. Like, just uh, enough, please, enough. Anyway, we cannot stand that. I cannot stand those people. Um, and uh, so. <laughs> So yeah, um, number one reason camping. That's why <laughs> no, no for me no, music, yeah, festivals. No music festivals. And just like um, and everyone takes drugs. I'm I'm really like I don't like I don't like that kind of crowd. Everyone's loose and mm -hmm. friendly, and there's like supposed to be this porosity, this porosis where you're friendly with everyone. Like I get it. I get I, I get the charm of it. Mm -hmm. I get the you know the vibe i get how that could be appealing for some yeah. but for like an introvert like me that is my worst nightmare that is, is my very, worst well, nightmare i don't know about you but if for for me i think it was always very superficial i think yeah. that kind of friendship so it's not very it's very i agree i actually yeah. agree i actually agree i actually agree <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah it's and also i think um it might just be something it's it, it's the type of people who go to music festivals together with their friends, they have a sort of network of friendship that is very different to the kind of network of friendship that you and I have. Mm. You know, the structure of their friendship is very different to the yeah, style in which yeah, we definitely. connect to other people. Yeah, I think the social atmosphere is definitely different. I don't think I will be able to strike up a conversation with those, that kind of group ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, neither. I, They're I always did, like I feel like the frequency would just not never match. Will be like two parallel lines, and yeah, won't be anything in common. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But mm -hmm. um, but anyway, um, moving on from music festivals and my aversion to them, <laughs> uh, Backstreet Boy was indoors, <laughs> and they were they were so like they did cheesy dances from the nineties, and I just I uh, loved them so much. And they were all mm -hmm. like in their fifties or forties. I think they're Late pretty 40s. old now. Yeah, I yeah. think Kevin might be in his 50s. A bit older, yeah, yeah. yeah. I but, mean, um, Nick, they, what's his name? Nick Carter. Nick Carter, yeah. yeah. So he, I think he said... He's probably concert, around our age. Yeah, yeah in the concert, um, they Nick went around and asked all of the members of his band um, how old they were when the Backstreet Boys started, and Nick, <laughs> Nick was the youngest. He yeah. was 12. Oh, was he? Can you believe that? Yeah. Oh when, when the band started. When the band not, the, started. Not, not when the band got famous but the actual band when they started so um and he retained his kind of um like i spoke to my brother about this afterwards mm -hmm. um nick carter at 47 or however old he is he still sounds like a 12 year old kid when he's singing <laughs> like he's retained that juvenile kind of um tone. nasally tone like it's very mm -hmm. sweet it's very sweet mm -hmm. but um but yeah uh it was it was it was fantastic. They didn't have any kind of like backup dancers or anything like that. Uh, oh, they, they, okay. They didn't need to, I guess. They knew that they didn't need to. So it was just the five yeah. of them grooving, grooving to the tunes. Grooving into their 50s. Yeah, I know. It's just magic. It's, yeah, their music is magic. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's, it, it, to me, I think in recently I've been thinking about this that is it because we're getting older, we're not like we don't really follow the scenes of pop music anymore because we don't see boy bands or maybe K-pop has becoming too popular that we don't really follow them. And I know there's a lot of boy bands and girl bands in K-pop. I just feel like it's not as big as in the 90s or is it just me because everything's moved on to the internet, TikTok, and I'm not following that. Yeah, um, you know, um, I have also, to say, 
Uh-huh. Yeah, just to answer your question, um, Billy from the um, pilot, pilot Club, who well, I just we like, all love. Well, yeah. yeah, we all love. He did mention this, like, um, because they were reviewing in their episode this week, Daisy mm-hmm. Jones and the Six, okay. and he said, um, it's mass media, Helen. It's the way in which mass media has mm-hmm. kind of um, siloed because of the internet, you know, like mm-hmm. um, in the 90s, um, it didn't matter if you were five years old, 45 or 95, you knew who Madonna was. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if you were four, 40 or 90, you, you knew who Michael Jackson was. You knew who Prince was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but these days um, there are so many like siloed mar- like groups within the internet that, you know, only some people are, uh, only 14-year-olds would know a huge big TikTok star. You know, whereas only yeah. 90 year olds would know, you know, like every, every kind of group has been segregated online because of, ah, I see. Because of the internet. We but, but back then, but back then in the 90s, yeah. it was just uh, mass media. Um, yes. You know, uh, TV there, were, and TV. there was only TV and yeah, yeah radio. radio yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was the way people consumed media. And so um, I think that kind of yeah answers your question in terms mm, of you know yeah, why you yeah, think that so there's no kind of huge pop stars now yeah there are there are but it's just mm-hmm. this like siloed into groups uh-huh and i guess social media really kind of social media confines it kind of segregated you know a specific group of people and also the use of algorithms will probably feed into what you see online yeah exactly yeah my second um question was that after watching the lead of their own with my daughter last week um oh i can't wait to tell me what you (laughs) thought about it and how your daughter responded that's one of the best movies ever i also thought about we haven't really seen much sports genre movie as such in the recent years really back in the 90s and the 80s i think and because it's also because my daughter just went through a phase of Mighty Ducks. She watched all the three Mighty Ducks in the previous fortnight. Mm. And I was just thinking, oh, okay. Yeah, when we were growing up, Mighty Ducks, Cool Running, they were baseball big. Baseball movies. Yeah, Field baseball dreams. movies. Yeah, yeah, Field of Dreams. And they were huge. Last five years or so, maybe a bit longer, yeah. I haven't really seen. That is such a good question, Helen. Why do you think that is? Genres. Is it because people are just moving away from sports? It, there's not as motive. There's no such motivations to watch conventional sports. Um, that kind of feel Drama. good. Yeah. Well, how about this? Um, it's been replaced by shit shows like Ted Lasso. <laughs> how about yeah. that? Well, I, and I shouldn't say. I, shit I never shows. watched that show, but yeah, I, I've I, never I, seen I, it. I'm gonna yeah, be. Yeah, I'll just say it up front. Yeah, I haven't this. seen yeah, it, yeah. but I know that Billy hates it. So if Billy hates it, I hate it as well. Yeah. Um, the last one I remember was Eddie the Eagle. Wasn't that what? like Hugh Jackman the, oh. about the one about the ski Olympics? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. And nothing I think else. sporting movies will always be um, will always have a place. Just like I think rom coms will never die. You know, thanks to Netflix, mm. um, thanks to our streaming services. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. I have to say. Um, I feel like in the noughties as well, we had a lot of like very serious, somber, um, self-serious kind of mm, takes on masculinity um, mm. channeled through sporting movies. Like um, I'd say The Blind Side, even though it's like a movie about a family and race and, you know, it's now oh, yeah. really out- outdated. Oh. There are sprawling elements in there. The sense um, of the wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm thinking Varsity Blues. I'm thinking um, Evictus. I'm thinking like mm-hmm. there's so many movies about um, Friday Night Lights about NFL mm. um, uh, that that talk about yeah that are you know based around sports and you, yeah. know, you know. Do um, you know what I think? I think it's gonna be moved onto like esports kind of genre. Oh, interesting. Well, now that you say that, um, there is a new series out called The Consultant that is about um, you know a very uh, evil man who comes into a like a gaming like a kind of ah, gaming. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember um, Billy mentioned it on your show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. An esports like, company where yeah. the CEO was dead or something like that. Yeah, it? and then Christoph yeah. Waltz comes in yeah. and becomes a tyrant, and yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. But yeah, um, 
That is a very good question. Um, can you think of the last women's sport movie after A League of Their Own? Has there been anything um, since then that has managed to penetrate, you know? Better like Beckham, who's supposed to be. Oh, that's student. another one. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good one. That, yeah. yeah, but that's that's like the late 90s or early 2000s. Yeah. I think it's late but 90s, yeah. That's probably yeah. the only one that I can remember. Yeah. And that's about it. There's not much... Female. Yeah, you, I think you There's have a lot of docos I know out there. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But not movie, you know. Do you think it's true that a good sports movie requires the sport to be a team sport? Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm thinking, like, how can you make a compelling, yeah. compelling movie about a golfer? That would be boring, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're very biased on this because both of us we hate golf. golfers. <laughs> We're following the suit of what Hannah Gatsby said. You know, she said that golfers are all CMNTs. CMNTs, yeah. Hannah Gatsby said that, yeah. Not us. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I think team sports is very important. Yeah, I think team sports is the only way to drive a compelling narrative mm -hmm. with like a sort of ensemble cast, I guess. Yeah, because humans are, after all, we're social animals. Like, you need to have that. That sort of social interactions. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. what do you, from the nineties? What do you think has replaced um, movies about mo movies about sport? Has there been another genre that's kind of? Um, I don't know what the data says, but from my own observations, there are definitely a lot more melancholy, like poignant sort of um, drama type. Of movies, uh, I'm saying that because um, from what I'm seeing from the Oscar this year, it seems like it's all very sad. Um, yeah, actually, I'm glad you know. brought up the Oscars because yeah, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, um, that's what that's from yeah, my own observation. Going. But um, yeah, there's just there's not much of the feel good. I don't know if we pass that era of trying to make yourself feel good or is it because i do feel there's a sense of the impact from our on the global political situation that reflects on how people create as well because you know since 2016 and also what we will be talking about uh, what we read both of our us read yeah. about, uh, a little bit later which is quite interesting that kind of the 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 phase that it seems like we're slowly being migrated as a global citizen into like a very sad fascist scenario i think and that, that kind of could impact people's creativity I, I don't know if i'm making any sense but because i just listened to another i, I just listened to a podcast about um by the uh the filipino american journalist uh, maria What's her name? Maria Russell? Russi? Mm -hmm. Sorry, I can't, I can't remember her surname. But um, the one who was awarded a Nobel Prize. Nobel Prize, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just listened to what she said about you know how the political scene of the past ten years is very, very disappointing and very, very dangerous. I don't know if that kind of impact the overall film creations in terms of what I've observed that it seems like it's moving towards a bit more downwards, very sad, um, not so much anger because there's so much anger out of it, but because, you know, um, yeah, I think it's people starting to take it that bit more personal. Yeah. What about you? Um, in terms of what has replaced sports films? Mm. Well, mm. yeah, sports films um, are an avenue to talk about a lot of different stuff, like not just like friendship and bonding and masculinity, mm. but I'm guessing like also social class. Um, yes. uh, mm. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of, you know, an example, but um, I, I think perhaps like um, streaming services and what they offer um, have, I don't know, I feel like... Um, People used to be interested in team sports in the way that um, people used to play team sports as a way to like um, build yourself into a community or you know become a member of some sort of like club, right? Mm -hmm. But um, instead, these days, I feel like um, because of 
the streaming platform, it's completely um, destabilized our sort of traditional forms of how we get how we get our two hours or one hour of social time every day. And instead yeah. of like going to um, you know play a game with the over thirties at the local football club, you mm. decide to stay home and like watch um, Netflix because mm -hmm. that's become Netflix has sort of replaced our the social, social interaction with yeah the and, and our social kind of mobility has been confined into the home thanks to mm -hmm. Netflix and thanks to the whole streaming service um, yeah. our entertainment like sort of our form of exercise I think has been reduced and collapsed into our form of entertainment and also our form of like feeling a sense of communal ship you know mm -hmm. like i feel like these days when you the water cooler conversations will be like people sharing what they've what series they've seen on netflix ah, you yeah. know what and they, that's become a way of connecting yeah. yeah and that's become yeah. like our new sport sport i mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. because we used to get sport we used to i think you know part of the reason people join clubs and sporting stuff i think is you know not just for exercise but also for the sense of community and being seen and thanks to um, streaming services and Netflix and the way in which it's permeated our lives, you know, um, you, if you can carry it anywhere on your phone now, as long as you have a phone, you can watch it. Mm -hmm. That's become our way. That's become the way we mediate our relationships mm -hmm. around with people we don't really know. Yeah. And I feel like that's definitely something I like. I don't watch a lot of series. I'm definitely still a moviegoer, but um, I'm definitely someone who um, who relies on another person's consumption of a similar um text or similar movie in order to engage with them so what i mean is like often if i'm talking to someone i haven't met or haven't seen for a while i would say oh what movies have you seen lately and what did you think mm -hmm. about it that is like my way of connecting to people mm -hmm. these days Indeed. rather than like oh what sport do you play and then you start talking about sports yeah, I wonder if that will be ha that will have a major shift in how that will impact on the next generations because Australia yeah, absolutely. has been the very, very sport focused. We are, we are nation. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's an interesting thought. Yeah, and I think social media and how internet has infiltrated our lives in the past 15, 20 years or so that people are engaging more on social media rather than face to face. That could be yeah. you know, an influence as well. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we want to talk about a book that coincidentally we didn't know that we all yeah. picked up on the same day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So Helen and I picked up the <laughs> same book, but we had no idea. Yeah. Um, and it's not a famous book. It's not a book that's like just released. It's not by a famous mm -hmm. author. It's just this random book that was published last year <laughs> um, that, um, Helen posted onto our Instagram page and I was like, oh my God, I literally just went to Kino Kunia to get that today. <laughs> and I'll tell, let's, yeah, we'll come back and tell you, share this funny little anecdote about me and Helen. Hi there. If you're new to our show, thanks for tuning in into our program and we hope you will stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, we're forever grateful for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. It has really helped this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of people who look like us, who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple, Google or Spotify and leave a rating and review. And of course, as a small podcast program, we rely on listeners' support to continue this work. Please do check out our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation in order for us to continue to advocate the intersectionality in the podcast industry. Okay, so we're back. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a Taiwanese podcast, which I'm obsessed about. Um, they are a pair of uh, Taiwanese radio hosts. So they have their weekly host. They have their weekly program, which is called 
uh, Baodao Shaonian Shong, uh, Taiwanese youth group or Taiwanese youth club. They're in their thirties, but they had their um, program for a couple of years now. I mean, I think it's coming up to the eighth year, and they usually talk about very genuine, very Taiwanese focused news, current affairs, and because they both have uh, history degree background so they talk about a lot of history as well which i love to hear about because i don't know much history of taiwan mm-hmm. and they they speak in Chinese sometimes as well I they love that. the okay. programs in Chinese, yeah. so it's, yeah uh warms my heart to listen to Chinese. yeah i agree yeah. i agree completely it's our first language yeah it's our it's our mother tongue yeah obviously yeah. and the female host uh ilan she has a three-year-old daughter and she i feel like i'm in sync with her because the themes of the text that we give to our kids are very similar and she's very focused in what sort of books that she will present to her daughter and she for some reason she found this uh range of spanish kids books but was translated to uh, translated into chinese and the title was they're they're picture books the title was this is what a dictator looks like, or this is a dictator. Um, so it, it uh, depicts pictures of dictators in the past histories, you know, yeah. um, Mao Zedong, uh, Castro, Hitler, etc. Yeah. And um, Idi Amin, uh, the pres- ex-president of Uganda, which we'll talk about it we'll, yeah. that we're reading. And then she, her, her daughter started asking, okay, so this is a dictator. And it kind of used a very simple sentences where kids will understand yeah. the fundamental definition of a dictator. You know, dictators are people who want to do things their way. They bully other people. They don't yeah. other, other people um, uh, say, what, say what they want to do. And then uh, this is what happened. Elan, this female host, she was explaining to her daughter, who's who is three years old. And then her daughter says, "Oh, but dictator sounds good. You know, he can, he or she can do whatever that they want. Yeah. I want to be a dictator." Is what the child yeah. said. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's coming from a three-year-old. Obviously, their lo- their logic rationality is like of that. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And then she was fixated in Indi Amin because. Um, in the, what, the, the woman or the daughter? No, the daughter was fixed, fixated in oh. Ami, the president. Why, Ami Why is that? Yoga. Because uh, the female host, the mother, was explaining to her the history behind his brutality, what he yeah. did. And yeah. there were people in his nation were saying that apparently he was a cannibal, he was into yeah. cannibalism. He eats. Yeah. He eats human flesh. Yeah, she asked, oh, what's cannibalism? And her mother explained, oh, he eats human flesh. And she was, as a three-year-old, she was so fixated in, oh, someone's eating human flesh. Mm. Then she started going to school (laughs) at the playground telling people Uh that, do you know uh, Amin eats human flesh? This is in Taiwan. So, Uh um, but obviously people around her in her uh, age group don't know who most uh, I mean is yeah. I did not yeah, we know don't, until we, I read this book. Very, yeah, we don't we didn't know much about him, yeah. And then um one day she was uh this uh, the mother took the daughter to a playground. The three year old started telling everyone in the playground, Did you know that Armin eats human flesh? And then everyone was just so perplexed. And like yeah. Okay, um, I mean, is that a neighbor of yours or is that that someone from your family? (laughs) (laughs) That is so fucking cute. That is so cute. You know, the the mentality of a child who is three years old, like she's so fixated in something that she found out of a very unconventional thing of her life because you don't talk about cannibalism in. Yeah to a three-year-old child and she she grasped that con uh that concept and she wasn't sure she found a it's almost like she got a treasure of herself and she's she wants to share with everyone mm-hmm. whereas a lot of people who would not understand yeah so um the female host was telling her listeners about this story and he extended to the conversations of where she read um of the book about India, I mean, like where the idea, where that story or that rumor came from, 
was from this when she was reading How to Fear Dictator by a Polish journalist called Wito Sesbelaski. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wito, yeah. So And it's here. I, yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Yeah, so Yeah. So um I ordered the book because I know that it sounds so very, you know, profound, the, the way that she described this nonfiction. And I know one of my child loves reading historical kind of um, data. And my son was really into North Korea. Uh, oh, yeah, he was. Uh, I, yeah, I saw stage, so, I remember. Yeah. yeah. So I think after I read this, I'm going to pass it to him. I think he'll be interested as well. Yeah. Oh, and- it's such a, it's such a, um, it's such a, like, uh easy to read yeah yes yeah yeah it's it's such a you know like what the the, on the on the cover of the book someone said that it's an outright pleasure to read and i totally agree with that it's well we should take a photo like this hell (laughs) go next to you and i was just thinking that um when i was reading this i i'm almost like it's less than a week since i started reading it and i'm two-thirds of the of the book in and I think um, I love the way how uh, Szybelski divided the book into the sections yeah. of yeah, the yeah. narratives from the chefs of the yeah. themselves and his experience of going to interview them. Yeah, yeah, so basically the book follows the chefs, the people who cooked personal chefs of mm. dictators mm-hmm. and they are um, Pol Pot in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idi Amin, as Helen said, um, of Uganda. Enver Hoxha, I think that's how you say his name, I don't know, um, of Albania. Hoxha. Hoxha, yeah. I did not know Albania. I don't know. I don't know anything about Eastern Europe. Yeah. I, I don't so know. this was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Fidel Castro, obviously, in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and Sudan Hussein, obviously. which was actually Everyone. my favourite chapter. Oh, okay. It was my favourite chapter. I really yeah. enjoyed that one. Um, I found some of it really, the, the book is so easy to read, which I mm-hmm. am incredibly grateful for. So I, before I, I go know, on I and tell listeners, we, uh, before Helen and I discuss it, um, uh, now that Helen's given us the My side very of story. long <laughs> lowdown of how she came to acquire the book. Um, but also before I go on, um, Helen, you also bought um, Slavsky's other, other book. Yes. Dancing Bears, Bears. Yeah. I don't yeah. know about that. I think it's like a... It's. I think he he goes into Eastern Europe and yeah, interviews look, people, interviews yeah. people about what they thought about their old days. Yeah, and he, he yeah. apparently it's like an interesting um structure. So the first mm. half is about the the way in which bears were rehabilitated, um, yes. because bears used to be used as like circus okay. entertainers, and mm. they were horrendously tortured. It's just so sad reading about it. And then and then in the second half. He uses the same chapter titles, but instead now talks about the rehabilitation of the community of individual yeah. people. Yeah. Sounds like a great read. Um, but let's go back to how to feed a dictator. Um, yeah. How did so, you get across? <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, my story is interesting. Uh, sorry, my story is much more straightforward than yours, Helen. Okay. Um, I had to buy it because it's my book club book. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's it. My trendy <laughs> hipster book club. Um, some dudes in it selected it so um our book club is every six weeks and the way in which we select books is um every at the end of every um book club meeting we we decide we decide as a group um themes Mm -hmm. you know like we'd be like oh let's have love uh, a romantic book from the 20s or like uh, a book written in uh in french in the 70s or like Mm -hmm. a book about um cannibalism you know just like mm. random themes yeah. or like let's do a non-fiction book about the pandemic you know and then after we pick a theme then for the next two days we in our facebook group, group chat we um we then make suggestion. one recommendation yes yeah. suggestions. Okay. and then at the end of two days we vote uh-huh. on who, what we like the best so this this time around um a very thoughtful uh member of our group um, suggested culinary books, so books about food. Oh, and okay. so he was like, a lot of uh, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was, he said, um, like, um, I think the prompt was like, um, culinary hyperrealism. 
I think he just stuck in hi hyperrealism for fun. We didn't actually know what hyperrealist me meant. But anyway, um, so there were suggestions about uh, from Anthony Bourdain, you know, his mm -hmm. book No, no yep. Confidential or something confidential. Great. Kitchen Confidential. That was a great book. I read that when I was like, I think I was like overseas at some point and I picked it up. Yeah, I remember where I read it. I read it when I was in Cambodia with school kids and it was in one of those like um, hotel libraries ah uh, yeah where yeah. you can just drop off and exactly. pick up exactly drop off and yep yeah. yeah. um i always only ever um pick up in the, those cases <laughs> i'm quite a selfish reader i never drop off um yeah but uh, kitchen confidential what else was there there was jewel I, I i think i suggested um what did i suggest um there were like something like milk melissa melissa someone's milk fed was suggested i wanted to suggest um the the book, uh, the the Joy Luck Club. Okay, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then, um, what else was suggested? Oh, I suggested a book by Tommy Tomlinson about um obesity, which mm -hmm. I still haven't read, but it's about mm -hmm. food and obesity. Does it have and to be nonfiction or fiction? No, it could be doesn't, anything. Doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple of fiction suggestions as well. Yeah. And anyway, um, I uh, and then so anyway, we all voted for this one. Everyone thought that this How to Feed a Dictator was the most interesting one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think because I haven't came across with um, books like this where I you know. interview someone who's directly connected to a dictator. Yeah, and also like um, yeah. someone of another sort of class as well. Like often yes. cooks and um, cleaners, they're like the forgotten people in history. Yes, and it's so mm -hmm. interesting to hear. And this is what I love about Slazbowski's book. Um, is the fact that a lot of the chapters, um, most of them, they're, uh, they're divided into parts that where you directly hear from the cooks themselves, mm -hmm. like yeah. first person um, dialect. Yes. Like yeah. the author he doesn't try and, and yeah, then, he, you know, exactly. yeah. he transcribes. Yeah. So it's, tra it's and translated by Antonia Lloyd-Jones, mm -hmm. who's a British, uh, British Polish translator. Yeah, um, who's well, also in Albania as well when he was doing the research. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know how far you're into the book, but um, I finished the Albanian one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think she was there with him to do. Yeah, yeah. They traveled yeah. together as well. Yeah. So she's obviously like very well versed in languages. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. this is what I love about the book: the fact that we hear directly from these people who are very ordinary, who were often put in very dire situations where they were forced to cook or they would die, you know, they literally mm -hmm. would get murdered, um, really precarious situations and um, just the sheer proximity to power that they had and yet they had no power, obviously. They mm -hmm. were just there to like feed the most prominent, they were there to nourish the most prominent and prim, sorry, not prominent, primitive need of these absolute powerful dictators, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've gone to that part yet. There was a part where one of the cooks said like, um, the the dictator i don't remember which one because now that i finished the book it's kind of all blurry in my head but there was one dictator who was very mercurial and so he would have good days and bad days and um and um the cook would try and make it a good day by cooking a nice by making a nice dessert i and think like, i think you're referring to enver hoksha yeah oh right yeah and then when one, he yeah. yeah when he made a nice dessert he was happy and he would kill less people Yes. Or something like yeah. that. It was yeah. just and so he, like he, he need to watch out of his intake because he's got di he's got diabetes. Diabetes, diabetes. I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that and was he interesting. Needs to be creative as well when yeah, the, and the rations you, are low. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think about cooking those balls that he mentioned in the recipe? Oh the, 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 yes. Yeah, I could, yeah. I thought about making them too. I think it is like flour, like sugar. A, um sort of like a baked donut and then yeah, baked donut. into a syrup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That sounded really nice. Albanian dessert or something. Albanian dessert, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So interesting, yeah. I know, yeah. What else did you like about this book? Um, I, I'm fascinated in all of, I haven't got to the last one yet, but so far the three dictators, Sedan Hassan, Indi Amin, Enver, Hoksha, all the chefs, I, I guess it's because um, when they get to an old age, because obviously the interview took place when they're very old now. Yeah, yeah. And actually someone has already passed away. Yeah. Um, they don't, from what they say, they don't hold a grouch. They, like, I, I, I'm, I'm amazed that all of them kind of, from their words, it, it sounds like they had 
they were showing a bit of gratitude because they yeah. were given the job to provide um you know uh, a, a cooking skill for the leader of the nation and they were kind of grateful because they got the job obviously because you need to survive yeah yeah it wasn't from the tone of what they say i don't feel like they hate the person they were serving yeah which yeah. is obviously you know a lot of people in that in that nation would have been or would have yeah and i'm also fascinated in some of the words that they say they were actually praising of their their president or the prime minister or whoever they were serving they're like oh he he was generous generous yes yeah. Saddam yes. Hussein gave away cars new cars yeah, cars to, and to you know they raised, raised i think yeah. um india i mean before before india i mean there was another prime minister who didn't raise who, who was kept his wage was very low for that yes, yeah. once i mean was in the office he raised like triple of his yeah. salary and he was telling him to go and have more women to have more yeah. wives. He, he had like five like, wives right yeah india i mean has six wives and yeah. apparently and he's got like 46 cool. kids or something like that so it's crazy yeah did he did he get did he also murder some of them didn't two of his wives get murdered by yes him? yeah i think like he that? executed two of yeah. his wives and also um there's a, you know that the, oh, it was from the podcast I was listening to as well that I noticed that uh, India I mean is actually uh, made into a movie the 2006 movie The Last King of Scotland where oh is that is that with um McElroy. Forrest 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 Whitaker yeah I remember see, thinking that in the book and I was like I've got to go back and watch it yes I did yeah, not I know that Forrest Whitaker that was playing the role of India. That, that yeah, would be yeah. amazing to watch. Yeah. But it's the, the stark contrast of the two black men. Because I, I saw the photo of India. And I'm like, and oh my God, yeah. they totally cast a perfect person. Really? He looks yeah, like they him. They look very, very similar. Wow, how scary. Yeah, yeah very similar. Um, yeah, I think it's just very interesting to read um, from the perspective of someone who was serving the dictator rather than the direct relationship of a dictator. Because so, sometimes we hear yeah. stories from their um, kids or their grandchild, mm. you know, very direct relationship rather than someone who is there to serve them. Yeah, what else yeah. do you think about the book? I, I, I want to jump off the back of what you said about the lack of bitterness in these mm, um, chefs. Mm, mm. And I found that really beautiful. I actually found it so beautiful in the way that both the journalist of this book and also the people he, um, the people he interviews and transcribes word for word, there is no kind of judgment. There's no kind of resentment. Yeah. It, it felt like they were just talking about someone who they used to work for and they had no residual bitterness in their mm -hmm. voice yeah, and in their yeah. blood. And it was just like, it was, there was something just so beautiful about, I mean, we, we don't need another book about some, we, uh, we don't need another book that condemns the actions of these men, you know, these, we, know we, we know the yeah. evil. Yeah. We know the horrendous evil that they cast upon this earth. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was so refreshing to read a book where, um, um, it was. It didn't try to be political. Mm -hmm. It just talked about um, the sort of relationship of an employee towards their employer, who just happened to have the most ghastly, violent, dangerous tendencies, mm -hmm. and who had this kind of um, um, this like overwhelmingly unshakable and unprecedented um, moment in history where they like massacred. They, you know, they, they yeah, committed yeah. genocides. Like mm -hmm. Pol Pot, 2 million people died in four years. Like mm -hmm. what? I cannot even fathom those kind of numbers, mm -hmm. you know? It's just, yeah. it, and, it, and, and the way in which the book is so um, stripped of kind of the, I mean, there are moments where the people, the chefs talk about the brutality. Like I, I, there's no doubt about it. There's no way of avoiding, you know, a, couple of mentions of um, what these dictators did and it is horrendous to read it really is however the the soul the the soul uh, heart and soul of this book is is kind of about um it kind of, i love the way it just centers the chefs mm -hmm. and it's a yeah, story about what it means to be an in, in, um, employees mm -hmm. under a dictatorship where you don't have a lot of um 
where you don't have a lot of um, rights, I guess, and the way in which they navigated their life during those times. Yeah. Um, it was quite beautiful. Just, most of the time they just push through because they yeah, don't. Yeah, it's. They don't they have don't a choice. They don't, they have, don't a choice. have a choice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think the, so far my favorite one would be Indi Amin's chef because he talks about his, his relationship with his other two best friends, friends who were working for. And then one of them was the killed. Well. Yeah, and one of them yeah, was. Yeah, that was so was sad. That was really to, sad. You know, um, harbor some of the refugee out of. Yeah. Um, that was a very chaotic situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was really. I think that's my favorite story so far. So, but I haven't really, I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, Fidel Castro's um, chef's story, and I'll get to Paul Pot a bit later. Yeah. Yeah. Whose original name was very interesting to learn. I remember it sounding quite feminine. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, but okay. Yeah. So, so um, how to fear a dictator? Oh, Pol Pot's, uh, oh, sorry. Pol Pot's original name was Saloth Sar. Saloth Sar. That's not, that's not feminine. I don't know why I thought feminine. <laughs> and okay. apparently, um, as a child, he was extremely nice and sweet-natured. Mm. Isn't that, it was, like, terrifying to hear. Yeah, I know. So terrifying. It always, always makes you wonder, you know, like, how did What happened? Data, I know. What happened? Data? It feels like, like I said, I, like my, my theory is that once you gain power, it just corrupts you. You just want more. You become greedy. Power like, corrupts, Helen. Power corrupts. That's <laughs> That's my, you know, that's that's what I think, yeah. Um, so the book, yeah, How to Be a Dictator, we both recommend. Yeah, recommend the book. So that is the episode today. Mostly we just wanted to talk about that. But also any, <laughs> any um, we wanted to wrap this episode up with a quick, um, you know, predictions about next week's oscars which i'm really excited about uh-huh. um helen the nominees for the best picture there are 10 um oh i'm gonna goodness. just list them to that's you, a and very, you that's a lot oh uh, yeah yeah i'm gonna list them and you tell me which ones you've seen okay okay top gun everything mm-hmm. everywhere all at once triangle of sadness all quiet on the western front elvis woman talking the banshees of your Sheeran, the fablemans avatar the way of water and tar Okay, I've only seen every everywhere everything <laughs> everything everywhere all at once, Banshees and Top Gun. So I've only seen three out of ten. I've, oh, I've, I think I'm worse. I think I've right? only seen no. I've only what, seen Fablemans and everything everywhere. I have had a shocking oh, year of film okay. watching. I just have not been interested. I, I refuse to see Elvis because I know it, it kind of it is a kind of biopic that Wesley Morris has said is kind of um it, it just it, it just twists history it makes oh, it makes okay. Elvis seem like the innocent one who was corrupted by his uh, whoever Tom Hanks okay. plays you know okay. and then yeah. it blames Elvis's racism on this one guy you know it just uh-huh. it like um I just I refuse to see any kind of film that tries to portray someone who was evil okay. as someone who was like not he like someone who doesn't deserve to to be exonerated of uh-huh. what he was actually, and you know, he was. So you kind of evade the accountability that. Yeah, exactly, about. exactly. Um, Tar, I have yet to get to. Um, mm-hmm. Same reason I don't really like movies about music. They're often just, you know. Um, Avatar, I'm not you, a fan I, of. Okay, Avatar, um, we're not a fan of, obviously. Ba- yeah. yeah, Banshees, I will watch it. I think mm-hmm. it's now on Disney. I think okay. it's now on Disney. Yep. Yeah, streaming. Yeah. So I'm looking uh-huh. forward to that. Women talking is about a group of women who were raped and then I, how I, they I'm navigate. Not, so I, I just cannot. I cannot. Yeah, it's based yeah. on a book. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. And book. I've read that book. It's fantastic. Oh, okay. It's uh-huh. fantastic. It's very short as well. It's by Miriam Tones. Came out in 2018. Great book. Um, all quiet on the Western Front. Like film, know. German film about war, black and white, boring. Yeah. No thanks. Mm. Um, Top Gun Maverick. I haven't seen the original <laughs> Top Gun. Oh, so. I thought that you, you were like sitting up yourself to watch the Maverick really? one. Yeah, That's why like you went to watch the previous uh, movie last year, didn't you? Well, I thought that you would have. No, gone. when we went to an Airbnb last year, it was on TV at some point, but oh, I just okay. couldn't be bothered to watch it. There was that one scene where it just, just yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't. Not not at the moment, anyway. And then Triangle of Sadness is a great film. I hear. I, I do want to watch that. Yeah, I'll probably watch that as well. Yeah. So who do you think is going to win? 
Okay. Um, I do think, but because I haven't seen the other films, so my obviously my predicament is going to be very, very biased, and I'm proud to say that. And I do wish that everything, everywhere, all at once will win. Yeah, me too. It is a, such a film that is very different, very, very extremely different to the rest of the films. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that is the the whales is not up there for the. The whales film. not up there. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's fine. Will you go yeah. see that? I would definitely go and see that. Uh, yeah. And speaking of the Oscar and everything, everywhere, all at once, I couldn't get through an episode of the podcast of a podcast program that both of us kind of admire for years, and I just yeah. got sick of it of listening that that episode. I just turned it off because one of the hosts, um, who is an Asian, who just continuously just interrupts. Not interrupts, but more more of the kind of not so much disparaging, but she's contempt of everything, everywhere, all at once. She kept saying that, "Oh, can we just get over with this parent-child inter uh, intergenerational trauma?" Mm -hmm. It was speaking as if she's from a position that she never experienced that kind of thing, or she just got sick of it, and she's had such contempt of. Stephanie Shu's character, the millennials, complaining really? parents. Yeah, and she really? herself, I'll say that she will probably be a similar age as us. So I just couldn't. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't continue to listen to that episode. I just got so angry. I just turned it off. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm working. She my... actually praised Tar so much. She's oh, actually okay. won the film Tar to win. Well, Tar is a strong contender. I think the major contenders are Tar and Everywhere, Everything, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. between those two, I think, in my opinion. But um, but Wesley Morris said that Stephanie Hsu is his favorite part of that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm with him all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't yeah. know what this the other Asian. Pop yeah, has. my favorite part of Everything, Everywhere, um, is obviously the lead character, lead role, Michelle Yao. And mm. then, and then I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She's my second oh, favorite okay. part of the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. I my favorite character in Everything Everywhere All at Once is the husband. Is the husband? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds very unfeminist. I'm trying to support. No, that's okay. Yeah, because he's so um, sweet. He's, he's so, so sweet. He's so kind, and I yeah. love how it's just that kind of positivity and not giving up. It just warms my heart so yeah. much. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the kind of energy that I want to see, not the kind of energy that I hear from that Asian podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> when we get off recording, you gotta have to tell me who this <laughs> woman is. Okay. Okay. All right, that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple, and give us a five star rating. If you'd like to support what we do here on Asian Bitches Down Under, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week, and have a happy, safe weekend, and we'll chat to you next time. Bye, guys. Happy Oscars.